0: How God worked through his people to bring about salvation from the Persian Empire. There are many lessons that can be taken from these events, but for the song service tonight I want us to focus on three themes from the book of Esther. Number one, divine providence. We can clearly see that God has always been active in the lives of people, and we can have confidence and faith that he is still working today. Number two, human bravery. When Esther acted in bravery. God granted her favor, and her courage saved countless lives. We should consider in our own lives where God has placed us and where he is asking us to stand for him with courage and bravery. Number three, foreshadowing of the gospel. In Esther, we see a providential rescuing of God's people from the threat of death. What is that if not a message of the gospel? From death to life, from condemnation to death to salvation. Jesus became our sacrifice so we can receive salvation from sin and death. Let's think on these things as we sing together, but before we begin, we'll be led in our opening prayer.
1: Please bow. Great God in heaven, we are Humbled to speak with you, the the Creator of all mankind and and giver of life, and and we see you in in your word, and we are are made to believe because we are uh, because of the evidence and and the miracles and and how tightly knit your your word is from chapter one to the revelation, we're we're amazed every time we open your book. Help us to read it with wisdom and to, and for our faith to grow. Father, thank you for this church, for the relationships that we have made here and that will always be, and help us to work on these relationships and be long-suffering toward one another and and help each other. Father, we pray that our relationship with your son would be one of humility and service and and that we will mimic uh, his relationship with you and and knowing that you uh, you loved him and 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 he often went to you uh, daily you provided for him and and gave him all his needs and he was totally dependent and we want to be that way to you and, and to our savior please bless our songs this evening and and help our our thoughts of of the lessons of this uh, great book of Esther to permeate our hearts and help us to uh, to live it out in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: I'll be reading from Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 through 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Number 23 in this large song will be the first song. Number 23. Thank <laughs> you. Supplement number 12.
1: Esther 4, verses 12 through 14. And they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish, and who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. My first song this evening will be number 22 in your supplement, Be Strong and Courageous. Number 2, 2.
2: <coughs> mm.
1: Next song this evening will be number four in your supplement. The Battle Belongs. song this evening will be number 480 in your Lord hymnal, There to Stand Like Joshua, number 480.
2: Mm-hmm. No. We.
1: John 314 through 17. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order to save the world that might be saved through him.
3: Number 18,
0: out of the large songbook, The Great Redeemer. Point a shield about me.
1: Christ alone. Once again, this song will only be up on the PowerPoint.
3: Thank you. Thank you for being here tonight, whether you're here in person or you're joining us through the live stream. We're grateful for your presence, and we do have some who are visiting with us tonight. We're especially grateful that you've chosen to come our way this evening. I want to thank Wade for putting this service together. He's done such a good job with that and caused us to think through the the words that we have sung. I want to thank all those who've participated in leading us in worship so ably and of course, our, our prayer and our hope in all things is that God is pleased with our worship, that it's gone up to Him as a sweet-smelling aroma, and that we have uh, stirred one another up to love and good works. Uh, it stirred me up tonight, and I hope it has you as well. Uh, if you have your Bible with you, would you take it out, please, and turn to Philemon, the book of Philemon. Uh, in the back class, as Wade said, on uh, for the high schoolers, they're studying from the book of Esther. Uh, in the adult class here in the auditorium on Wednesday nights, we've been studying out of the book of Philemon. And interesting enough, both of those books are are books that deal a great deal with God's providence, His working. And so if you want to turn to Philemon, um, verse 15 uh, and 16, we'll read those here in just a moment. As we have sung about tonight, pro- uh, providence is a term that's most often used, um, some people use it in a slightly different way, but But most often it is used to refer to the working of God in everyday life. Providence does not require the miraculous or setting aside of natural law. It's not God working a miracle in some way. Instead it's God as an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-seeing being who sees the end from the beginning, uh, who has foreknowledge and a perfect knowledge of all things and all people, God is able to work through people and events and times to bring about his purposes. God uses his foreknowledge and his power to bring about his intended circumstances and results without having to change the laws of nature or override our free will in order to do so. That's providence. How do I know what God did or didn't do by his providence? Well, I don't know in specific situations, at least not exactly. And even the Apostle Paul, as he's writing here to Philemon about Onesimus, as we've been studying on uh, Wednesday nights as we think about conflict resolution, even the Apostle Paul puts it this way. Read with me in verse 15 of the book of Philemon. For perhaps, for perhaps he, that is Onesimus, Departed for a while for this purpose, that you might receive him forever. No longer as a slave, but more than a slave, a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? So the Apostle Paul says, hey, maybe, perhaps this is the reason why Onesimus left you. He left you so that he might come to me, so that he might become a Christian, so that he might come back to you, and now instead of just a servant, he's your brother in the Lord, and you're able to be reconciled and have this relationship both now and in eternity. Paul says, perhaps that's the reality. And this is the attitude that we should have as well. Perhaps God did this, even though I don't know for sure. And if an inspired apostle was so guarded in discussing matters of providence, uh, I'm going to manifest an even greater caution when describing the Godhead's influence in human affairs. But, I believe that the Bible teaches that God is working, somehow, for our good behind the scenes. You know, you see this a number of times in the Scriptures. In Joel chapter 2 and verse 14, it says, Who knows if he, God, will turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him? In the book of Jonah, in Jonah 3 and verse 9, Who knows, the king says, God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. Now these specifically are matters of God's judgment and His impending judgment. Perhaps God will do this. Who knows whether God might do this or that. But I believe it's the proper perspective of faith in God's action without presuming to know what He will do or what He has done. Which brings us to the text for our singing tonight. Turn over to Esther 4 and this will be the last verse and we'll make some application as we extend the Lord's invitation tonight. So the book of Esther, chapter 4. We see that Haman has, has asked to destroy all of the Jews in the, in the land, in the Persian Empire. And Mordecai, the cousin of Esther, comes to her. And as we read a moment ago, let's, let's read what happens. Esther speaks to Mordecai in verse 11 and says, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king, who he has not called, he has but one law to put all to to, to death, except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he might live. Yet I myself have not been called to go to the king these thirty days. Esther says, Look, I can't go to the king and ask anything of him because he hadn't called me. And the rule, yes, there's an exception, but the rule is anybody who comes unsummoned is going to be killed. So they told Mordecai Esther's words, and here's Mordecai's response, verse 13. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows, he says, whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. And, of course, that's exactly what happens. Esther goes into the king, invites him to the banquet, all of the things that we see in the rest of this book to where ultimately God uses Esther and her relationship with the king as his queen to ultimately save all of the Jewish people, both there and also back in Israel as well. And what Mordecai says here is that God is going to accomplish his purposes, but what he desires is to use us. To use us in the way we live our lives providentially in order to accomplish those purposes. Mordecai says, look, salvation is going to arise from, for the Jews. That's going to happen. God is going to do that. And how did Mordecai know that? Well, he knew it because of the promises of God throughout all of the Old Testament. That there was a Messiah that was coming. Yes, God was going to accomplish His purposes. But how were the Jews going to be spared? Mordecai understood rightly. That perhaps God was going to use Esther to save his people. And we know that God is going to accomplish his purposes as well. Purposes like, God will give men and women the opportunity to hear the gospel. But he wants to use you and me and our influence and our teaching in order to accomplish his purposes in that. God will see to it. He has promised that his people will have their basic physical needs met. That's a promise that he gives to his people, but he wants to use our generosity in order to accomplish that. God will uplift his people with hope. He has promised that. But God wants to use the encouragement that we can provide to other people in order to accomplish his purposes. And while we don't have the foresight of God, we have something, well, the closest thing that we have is hindsight, right? We can look back on things that have happened in our life and we say, whoa, that's incredible that all of those things worked just the way they did to bring me to just the place I needed to be. And we can say, perhaps, who knows, maybe that was God's working to bring me to that very place. So let's make some application. Perhaps, who knows? Perhaps... You've been placed in the family you're in by God for such a time as this. Who knows? Perhaps you're a part of that organization or group or team for such a time as this. Who knows? Perhaps you're that person's friend for such a time as this. Who knows? Perhaps you've been working at that job for such a time as this. Who knows? Perhaps you've been placed in this church at this time for such a time as this. Who knows? Perhaps you're here tonight for such a time as this. Who knows? Who knows? Well, God knows. Amen? And He has been working Wade laid this out so beautifully for us. God has been working through the ages, through the centuries. He worked, well, from before the foundation of the world. He had a plan to redeem mankind. And He has been working and working and working. He worked through all the Old Testament and the family of Abraham to bring about the Messiah, the Christ, so that we might have the opportunity to be saved. And He worked through the inspired apostles and prophets and others who preached that gospel and received this inspired message from the Holy Spirit so that we might know and understand what it is we must do in order to be saved. God has worked and is working. But He is not just working in that general sense to bring about the opportunity for salvation. I believe that God has been working providentially in your life to bring you to the place where you might know Him where you might work for Him, and where you might accomplish His purposes by doing His will. So if you're here this evening and you have something you know that you need to do to make your life right with God, will you do it now? And can we help you in whatever way we may, while together we stand and while we sing?